0: We've had to rethink everything about how we do business.
1: Automation will put 45 million people out of work.
0: We're already paying the price of ignoring climate change. Companies perform better with diverse boards. Change is coming. From Fortune Media, this is reInvent, a podcast about fighting to thrive in a world turned upside down. I'm Beth Coet, Fortune Senior Editor.
2: And I'm Jeff Colvin, also a Fortune Senior Editor and Beth's co-host of Season 2 of REINVENT. Today, we go inside General Motors' commitment to be all-electric by 2035. What's driving this colossal transformation? How do they plan to get there? And will they succeed?
0: On this episode of REINVENT, we try to answer those questions and raise a few more along the way.
3: General Motors plans to stop making gas powered cars by 2035. In a dramatic
0: shift, the largest U.S. automaker Thursday set an ambitious public goal to end the sale of gasoline and diesel powered cars, SUVs and light duty trucks by the year 2035.
1: The EV market is primed to explode, not just for General Motors, but for the entire industry.
0: Jeff, General Motors' quest to become an all-electric vehicle manufacturer by 2035 is the perfect way to kick off season two of reInvent. But you probably know this better than anyone. How many years have you been reporting on GM at this point?
2: <laughs> I'm not entirely sure, Beth, but I think the answer is measured in decades rather than years. So it's, it's been quite a while.
0: So what were your initial thoughts then when CEO Mary Barra first announced this plan?
2: I was struck by what a large announcement it was, by just how big a transformation she was describing. And I actually wondered whether other people outside the industry fully grasped the magnitude of what she was saying.
0: What's driving them to do this?
2: Well, a lot of factors, as you might imagine. I mean, this is a company, remember, that for many, many years was number one on the Fortune 500. Its decline was slow but steady, and by the financial crisis 2008-2009, they were in terrible shape and went bankrupt. When Mary Barra got the job of CEO in early 2014, she was immediately hit with this huge crisis, faulty ignition switches that caused people to die. I mean, this was a really serious crisis. And she managed it extremely well. This really identified her as a leader and a really good leader. Other factors here. GM is, of course, in major competition with Tesla, also with Volkswagen, which is also investing billions and billions of dollars in EVs.
0: Quickly, Jeff, let's define a few acronyms that we're going to hear repeatedly in this episode. I know EV refers to electric vehicles, and AV are autonomous vehicles, meaning they're self-driving. I've also heard the acronym ICE in reference to gas-powered vehicles. What does that mean?
2: Well, ICE, I-C-E, means internal combustion engine.
0: Okay, so I I know I have a lot of questions, but Jeff, what's really top of mind for you here as the expert?
2: Well, I really think the big question here is whether... GM can make this work financially, because if they can't make it work financially, it's not going to do any good for the environment or for the shareholders or for customers. And it's going to be a real challenge. EVs are not very profitable right now. GM has got to make more and more of them in order to reach a scale where they can be profitable. But getting from here to there requires them to perform very well with their traditional cars. And it's not clear how well it's going to work out. So that's the big question I have.
0: All right, Jeff, I'm ready to learn more about GM's vision to produce all electric vehicles by 2035, how they plan to make it a reality, and what they'll have to overcome to get there. It seems like the stakes have never been higher. Wildfires devastating the West Coast and other parts of the country. For the first time in recorded history, the National Weather Service issuing a flash flood emergency for all five boroughs of New York City. Record snowfall in parts of Texas has knocked out power for
3: millions.
1: The agency overseeing Texas's power grid has declared its highest
2: emergency level in over a decade. Ice storms in Texas, flooding on the East Coast, wildfires raging across the West, And that's just in the U.S. It's pretty clear the planet's in trouble and GM says it's move to EVs is part of the solution.
0: So, Jeff, you're making this seem pretty dire, and it is. Uh, And it's clear that drastic action needs to be taken to save the planet. But be honest here, just how much would GM's plan contribute to the fight?
2: Well, you have to ask that question. It is unavoidable. I spoke to Professor Jody Freeman, the Archibald Cox Professor of Law at Harvard. She directs the Environmental and Energy Law Program there. She also served as a counselor for energy and climate change in the Obama White House. I asked Professor Freeman why it's so essential for big, powerful auto companies like GM to stop manufacturing vehicles with internal combustion engines and transition to producing electric vehicles.
3: Well, transportation is responsible for the largest and growing share of U.S. emissions. So cars and trucks, not just passenger cars and trucks, but all transportation, you know, heavy duty and medium sized trucks too. It's a massive share of the problem and it's growing. And so you have to get after it. If transportation is the largest share and you reduce that dramatically, you have made a very big dent in U.S. emissions. And what you've done is make a massive step toward the Biden pledge to reduce the country's emissions between 50 and 52 percent by 2030 and to get to net zero by 2050.
2: I also asked her if this very big dent would be enough to address our climate crisis.
3: Every little bit of emissions cuttings helps. So you have to approach it that way, because if your attitude is, well, if you can't solve the problem all at once, why bother? Then we really are doomed, because that's not how you're going to solve climate change. But more than that, I think it would be proof of concept that you can evolve your business model and the technology develops over time to make things cheaper. And you can make products that are cheaper, fuel efficient, and that consumers want
0: to buy. So Professor Freeman makes a couple points here that just really resonated with me. One is that with the plan, it could really prove to other automakers that this enormous transition to going all EVs is possible, but also profitable, and that they can make EVs that are affordable to just a really large range of American consumers.
2: Yes, GM's plan will certainly be impactful in and of itself, but it also could influence the direction of the whole auto industry.
0: So GM's plan sounds great and all, but is this push to going green fit with the company's history? I'm a little bit skeptical there.
2: Well, Beth, look, it's fair to be skeptical. General Motors is responsible for manufacturing some of the largest and least fuel-efficient vehicles on the market. Uh, Just take the Hummer. The H1 model weighed over 8,000 pounds and averaged about 14 miles to the gallon. And Mary Barra's responses to the government's fuel emissions regulations have varied over the years. She publicly supported Obama-era rules that tightened those standards. Then, when Donald Trump became president, Barra lobbied him to relax them. But then, on President Biden's first day in office, he signed an executive order directing the Environmental Protection Agency to immediately develop tough new regulations on tailpipe emissions— and that in August of this year, Biden set a goal for 50% of U.S. vehicles to be electric by 2030. So when I asked Professor Freeman what she thought motivated the timing of GM's January 2021 zero emissions announcement, she noted that it wasn't quite
3: coincidental. Well, first of all, um, everything has to be understood in the context of politics. The industry looked tone deaf on climate change and tone deaf to the importance of fuel efficiency and greenhouse gas reductions. So I think they got more than they bargained for with Trump and they had to manage that relationship. And the GM announcement was part of a pivot in the context of a new administration.
2: Biden's election may have motivated the timing of GM's announcement, but Mary Barra has been accumulating assets to create next generation EVs for years. John Murphy is a research analyst at Bank of America Securities, a managing director and lead U.S. auto analyst. He has been covering GM for over 20 years. For five-plus years, GM
1: has been quietly and humbly restructuring. And I would say that 100 percent of this strategy really is a result of Mary's vision, you know, coming out of almost like a a phoenix out of the ashes from the bankruptcy to the ignition switch crisis – it's an incredible, incredible transformation at one of the largest companies uh, on the planet and one of the hardest to turn around. And she's really doing it. It's very, very impressive.
2: I suspect that most people don't realize how large an undertaking it is for GM to say they're going to go all electric by 2035. How big and broad an effort is this on their part?
1: It's A once in a hundred year question and a once in a hundred year opportunity. This is not a once in a generation issue. It's probably gonna be the biggest transition that we'll ever see, or almost anybody's ever seen in the auto industry.
0: Okay, Jeff, so this is a big claim.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I bet. It is a very, very big claim. And nobody seems to dispute it. Each guest I spoke with emphasized that General Motors, transitioning its entire fleet to electric vehicles, is a revolution. I had a conversation with Gerald Johnson, GM's Executive Vice President of Global Manufacturing and Sustainability. Gerald's responsible for quality and safety performance for more than 129 GM manufacturing facilities in 16 countries. He's also spent his entire career with GM, 41 years. When I asked him how GM's transition to electric compared to other transformative moments in the history of automobiles,
4: he had this to say. This is an inflection point as significant as horse and buggies to engines.
0: Okay, so again, another huge claim. But what is this inflection point going to require from GM? How are they actually going to do this?
2: Well, those are the really big questions, Beth. Gerald went into detail about how GM is planning to evolve and adapt their manufacturing pipeline. Unlike the transition from literal horsepower to fuel-powered engines,
4: GM is not starting from scratch this time. What I like to say is what's going to be a transformation for our industry is only gonna be a transition for manufacturing. A current assembly facility can be adapted to accommodate not just EV, but to accommodate EV and I simultaneously. 80% of what we do in assembly plant will be the same. We will still put together a body shop. It still takes doors, deck lids, hoods, seats, uh, windshield wipers and windshields, et cetera. 80% of that's the same. So about 20% of our uh, assembly operation has to be adapted specifically for the EV transition.
2: That 20% of new material required to produce the EV
4: includes the batteries needed to power the cars. So battery cells, all new. We are raising up an all new battery cell plant in Ohio. We've already started another battery cell plant down in Tennessee. And we've announced that we're going to do a third and fourth battery cell plant locations to be Uh, announced later. We are going to
2: dig deeper into batteries and their unique challenges later in the episode. But before we get there, I wanted to learn more about Factory Zero. The site formerly known as the Detroit Hamtramck Assembly Center had long been the crown jewel of GM's manufacturing plants. Now it has been reconfigured to an all-EV assembly plant.
4: So we cleared the floor. So all the processing equipment was removed. Now, most of that processing equipment was reused in other facilities around our footprint. To a high extent, even the concrete that we took out of there, we found other purposes and reuses for that. But then after we tore the plant down, we brought all new automation in, specifically designed to enable us to build EV hummers and the next generation of EV pickups that we are going to do inside of Factory Zero as well. And um, we're excited about Uh, seeing EV hummers coming off the end of the line.
0: It sounds like GM is repurposing and reusing their manufacturing facilities, but I have to ask, what about the thousands of people who work for GM in a manufacturing capacity? What about those people? Do they plan to reskill and retrain them, or are they going to hire new ones?
2: Yeah, well, that's a big issue. There is always this fear during major technological revolutions that people will lose their jobs. Their skills will be rendered obsolete. Gerald assured me that GM sees the existing workforce
4: as irreplaceable and as a competitive advantage. We have 90,000 industrial problem solvers working in our facilities today. That's the GM team. Those people have over a million, almost a million and a half years of experience. You know, those industrial problem solvers that we have today, we plan to upskill them and bring them into that EV future with us because they are a part of that competitive advantage. So Factory Zero, for example, the workforce there is currently and has been now for the last 12 months being trained to build specifically a new EV Hummer. They've been trained to handle high voltage, which is a new element of what an EV brings inside of our plants. As we start up a new battery cell operation, that's new hires, that's new people coming in, being skilled to do a new set of work for us in our value chain.
0: If they're actually able to pull this off, I have to say it will be impressive, but it also sounds really expensive.
4: Yeah,
2: it is really expensive. GM hasn't been shy about the price of their plan. It seems like they see the enormous investment as proof that they are committed to an EV future. It's worth noting that GM plans to self-fund this transition with profits from the sales of their fuel-powered vehicles. Here's Gerald again.
4: We've already announced that we're going to put $35 billion into this transition between now and 2025 or mid-decade. So, It's not cheap for sure, but it's an investment in the future.
0: Okay, Jeff, so we've heard how GM is going to make these cars, how they're going to pay for them. And we can also all agree that EV transition is necessary for the environment. But it can't all be so simple. What roadblocks do GM and other experts think they're going to run into? And do they have a plan to confront them?
2: There are a lot of challenges GM and other auto companies will have to face during this transition, and the first is the question many consumers ask, which is, what's the average EV's range, the number of miles an EV can travel on a single charge? Professor Freeman elaborated on range anxiety.
3: People are worried, you know, I'll be stuck somewhere and I can't charge my car. The truth is most of us drive short distances every day. You know, we drive like under 15 miles a day and electric vehicles would be great for most of us in cities. In rural areas, it's different.
0: Okay, so to be honest, that would actually terrify me, right? When you're driving in your car, you know that there's always going to be a gas station nearby. If there's not one at this exit, there'll be one at the next exit. The thought that you could just be out of luck is pretty scary to me. Does GM actually have a plan here to build some sort of charging infrastructure?
2: They do, Beth. GM recently announced that it was committing to invest nearly $750 million in EV charging through 2025, including a commitment to installing 40,000 chargers across the U.S. and Canada. This announcement is significant, but Ultimately, it is the battery in these EVs that determine their range. As Gerald Johnson noted before, the battery is part of the 20% of the manufacturing process that is new for GM.
4: The biggest challenge will be for us to uh, bring this battery technology down the technology curve. That there's, again, a fair amount of innovation required for that. GM's working
2: towards creating batteries that will run for 300 to 400 miles on a single charge. And that can be produced affordably. The person working on that is Doug Parks, GM's Executive Vice President of Global Product Development, Purchasing, and Supply Chain. I asked Doug, what is required to meet this challenge?
1: So, that battery has to uh, supply a lot of energy. It has to be affordable. And battery technology with that much energy really hasn't been affordable in the past, but with a lot of the tech developments and with what we call industrialization, so big plants making lots of cells at a high volume and high scale like we do with internal combustion engines, we're getting the cost down. So now the cost of those batteries with all that energy to drive that 300 miles is is starting to become economically viable. And then that battery um, has to be
2: durable. So it has to have enough energy, but it has to live for a long time. I asked John Murphy from an analyst perspective, what is the biggest risk for GM? And he also said it's the battery. Ultimately,
1: it's going to reside around the battery. Probably the single biggest risk is the sourcing of the raw materials, and manufacturing of the cells and getting the capacity
2: to build out the vehicles. John also raised a concern that was totally new to me. We can't expect the production of these EVs and their batteries to have an immediate positive impact on the planet. In fact, it might be just the opposite, at least for a while. As you make this transition, the
1: net benefits of an EV versus an ICE, and these aren't our estimates, but they're generally accepted by scientists, turns over around year four or five. Meaning for the first four year or five years of life of an EV, it's a net negative on the environment because of all the mining and processing of the battery and everything else goes on to producing the vehicle. It's around year four or five that you have a, a net benefit to the environment.
0: Okay. So I hadn't thought about this before. And quite honestly, it's pretty concerning to me, I have to say, and also raises this other question I have, which is, Do we have any idea if the energy used to power these batteries is going to be much cleaner than fossil fuels?
2: That's a great point, Beth. According to Professor Freeman, it depends on the type of energy these batteries use to be recharged and on the grids they depend on to supply that energy.
3: If you're going to use electricity to power your vehicle, you don't want it to be coal-fired electricity. I mean, then you've traded in gasoline that you would otherwise use to fuel your car for coal-fired power. That's not a great trade. But if you've traded it in for power that is largely wind and solar power with backup from natural gas, then you've made an improvement. You've really improved the emissions profile of your car.
0: So Jeff, we've been talking to the experts But what about the everyday person? I'm wondering if GM is going to be able to convince consumers to actually buy these things. I live in New York City, so cars aren't really a big part of my day-to-day life. But I know Americans love cars, obsessed with cars. Remember when driving was fun? Thousands of images of pickup trucks driving through muddy puddles during Super Bowl ads are plowing through my mind right now.
2: Yeah, well, Beth, that turns out to be a very important topic. Uh, Some automakers are exploring the idea of adding artificial car sounds to their EVs. But GM's also betting on the attraction of peace and quiet. I asked Gerald Johnson if he expected Factory Zero to sound different than it did when it was turning
4: out gasoline-powered cars. The plant sounds very much the same. The hummer sounds completely different because it sounds like that silence is beautiful silence is golden
2: and gerald wasn't the only guest to emphasize the experience of driving an ev professor freeman a self-described car lover had this to say
3: i mean if you love cars you will love the best versions of these vehicles it's super sexy it's a lot like driving your phone in a way, right? It's The instrumentation is so different. So I just think it's a matter of time and experience and people talking about it not as um, punitive. You're not losing anything. You're actually gaining something, you know, and it's fun.
2: I have to say I agree with Professor Freeman in that it would behoove all of us, automakers, the government, environmental activists, the media, to stop messaging that driving an EV is akin to eating your broccoli. It's something you must stomach for a greater good. And instead, let consumers know that these things are fun to drive.
0: Jeff, what really strikes me here is just the enormity of all this. I feel like we all do need to move in this direction. I'm extremely concerned about the future of the planet. And this feels like an obvious way for us to really make a difference.
2: When the day comes that you might want to buy a car, you think you might want to buy one of these?
0: So I do have a car. My husband has a car, but it is not an electric car. But we've both talked about this. Our next car will definitely be an electric vehicle. I think it has to be.
2: I feel similarly. I'd be happy to buy one when my current car needs to be replaced. Because this idea about the impact they have on the negative side, uh, impact on the environment is important. And to bring an EV into the world that doesn't really need to be brought in isn't actually doing the environment any favors.
0: So Jeff, let's talk about GM specifically, though. I mean, how are you feeling about their reinvention? Is it going to work?
2: Well, I wouldn't attempt to say for sure. I think it has a good chance. It is a very ambitious program, but Mary Barra has established enough credibility. I think it is valid to take it seriously and assume that it has a very good chance. What we should watch out for is, of course, the price of the stock, not only the price of GM stock, which we hope will go up, showing that investors think this is going to work, but also the price of Tesla stock, which is arguably at an insanely high number, and see if that stays high or starts to come down. And also, we should just pay attention to the kind of the culture around us. And are we hearing people talk more and more about EVs, specifically General Motors EVs, because they talk about them almost not at all right now. Uh, It's all just Tesla. And so listening to what's happening around us, will give us also a kind of barometer on how well this is going.
0: So once we start talking about GM EVs as much as we talk about Tesla, then we know that the reinvention is complete.
2: Absolutely. If that day ever comes, it is definitely a sign of victory for GM. This episode was produced by Alexis Haught and edited by Nicole Vergala. Music is by Brian Campbell of Signal Sounds NYC. Executive producers are Mason Cohn and Megan Arnold. Reinvent is a production of Fortune Media.